0: Hello, this is Brian Roten, senior reporter for Hotel News Now. I'm here with Laura Lee Blake, president and CEO of AHOA, and we're here at the second day of the ALICE conference, and we're going to talk about a number of things that are of concern to uh, quite a bit of owners across the U.S. So, Laura, thank you so much for uh, being here with us today.
1: Yes, well, thank you. Always a pleasure and privilege to be speaking with you and addressing some of these high concerns of our members.
0: So... uh, Let's kick things off with one of the biggest things that's been going on in the industry lately, the uh, Choice, uh, Wyndham, I don't want to say it's a deal, but it's uh, Choice is uh, attempting to make it a deal, and uh, we know very shortly after Choice came out with its announcement that it was pursuing Wyndham, Ahoa had uh, a, a bit of a response to that. So uh, please uh, tell us a bit about uh, OHOA and its membership's uh, you know, position on this project. Uh, potential deal?
1: Yes. Well, thank you for that question. And you are correct. As soon as the news hit about this proposed merger of Choice Hotels and Wyndham, I think it sent a shockwave through our membership because so many of the brands um, that would be impacted are in the economy and the mid-scale segment, which has a large number of our members. And the thought that One franchisor would have such a dominant role in those segments, uh, raised some high concerns across the membership. But to make sure that we better understood where the members were coming, we issued a survey and we asked the members to respond. And it was an interesting result because I think we had one of the very highest survey results in the history of AHOA. Um, more than a 1,000 respondents, and you had to be either a franchisee of Choice Hotels, Wyndham Hotels, or both. I mean, I tried to respond, and I don't have hotels, and I could not respond. It did not allow me to move forward. So it was more than a 1,000 franchisees of that segment of the industry. And the responses were overwhelming. Um, more than 70% um, and you know again looking at those that were choice hotels owners only and then the Wyndham hotels only and then those that had one or more of both okay but 70% on average if those three groups said that they had that they believed it would have a negative impact on their business if this merger were to occur Another somewhat very high but um, alarming number was more than two-thirds more than 66 percent said they likely or very likely would not continue with their license with their franchise if this merger were to occur if they had the option to get out. It is not standard in the hotel industry in these 20-year-long franchise agreements to have change of control clauses in the franchise agreements. And what that means is, excuse me, in other industries, sometimes there's a change of control clause that allows that if there's a major change or significant um, revision of the ownership or their shareholders of one of the companies to the partnership or to the agreement, then the other party has the opportunity to terminate. And so that is not standard in the industry. So for our members to say they would do this if given the option, right now, unfortunately, they do not have the option unless they would look at paying liquidated damages to exit their franchise agreements. Um, And across the industry, it's fairly standard that the liquidated damages provision is 36 months of royalty fees. So, for some of our members, that could amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, it is a concern that um, if they now have a merger and these two brands, or all the brands from these two franchisors are merged, according to the count that we were able to put together, it would be 16,500 hotels uh, with 46 different brands. And so it really puts our members, I think, in some of it, what of a bind, because if you then want to get out and you're willing to pay hundreds of thousands to effectuate that, then the question is, where do you go? Mm. Um, Because there's such a dominant share then, both in the economy and the mid-scale brands, that maybe there's a few other options, but... In some geographic locations, maybe that's not even available because those particular brands are already there. So it really limits what our members could do and what the future looks like. So there's high concerns as to what this means.
0: So, either through the survey or you know directly from the members themselves, what uh, what are you hearing in terms of, like what are their the concerns that they have about what this deal would mean for their businesses. What what is behind this such a high negative response in the survey?
1: And that's an excellent question. A few factors that they identified as part of this survey. One is a fear of an increase in fees. And so the concept is that if you are suddenly with one franchisor, and you're used to their systems and you're you're accustomed to their practices their standards you know everything from their central management systems reservation systems everything else and then suddenly it changes you can imagine there's a concern with what are the fees then going to be and um, what does that look like and especially kind of comparing maybe what Wyndham offers versus choice what choice offers How would that change if choice now had a dominant share of this segment so that is a high concern and some of that has been played out with prior mergers and acquisitions that members have been through where they at least at the time reported that they experienced higher fees um, especially in the initial time period so that is one one very basic concern Mm -hmm. a second one is just how the brands then would be diluted and one of our members even commented that he was thinking of a particular community not far from where he was and he said in about a three block radius he said i'm counting it probably be 10 or 11 hotels what that would then be you know if this merger were to occur would be choice hotels franchisees Um, And what does that mean for the guests, you know, as far as choosing which hotel? And if you're then competing against other hotels under the same franchisor, I think there's also questions as to then would Choice continue to support and maintain all of these 46 brands? Or would some of the maybe economy brands suddenly be merged themselves? Would they lose their identity so a lot of concerns about the dilution of the brands. Um, other, impact, other concerns were like IT impacts. You know, Anytime you're integrating you know systems between two large companies, there's always IT possible concerns, especially if they've been at different systems. Now you have to integrate that into what your hotel is operating. So that was another high concern. Um, so some, you know, interesting and great kind of comments and results from our members in response to the survey, because a few of them have gone through it before, talked to other AHOA members that have, and you know, it's never as smooth as one would think, and so I think that also um, is a concern. The final one that I'll mention is what it means also for their customers, um, for their for their loyal guests. Um, with respect to loyalty programs, how does that work out? You know, how, do, how do they maintain kind of those same standards that they're accustomed to doing? So more, I think, the big question as to what does this look like for future relationships with our guests, with our community, and you know, especially for our brand if this merger were to actually come through.
0: Did you notice any difference in responses based on whether they were a choice franchisee, Wyndham franchisee, or both?
1: Not really, which is probably part of the greatest shock, too. Now, a few percentage differences, mm-hmm. but not nothing marked um, as far as where I really expected the Wyndham franchisees to be... You know the most concerned but then when you looked at it the choice hotels franchisees also shared high concerns and those with both so it was across the board they were within a few percentage points of each other
0: we're going to pivot a little bit here we're still going to talk about franchisees but we're going to talk about the bill that has been going through the new jersey legislature uh, it had made some progress i understand it's stalled again but it's one that addresses the hotel franchise model and it would apply only to hotels in New Jersey Uh, you and I talked about this a couple of months ago Uh, can you give us an update on where things stand with that particular bill
1: right well here we are at the beginning of the year and as you mentioned the bill was stalled um, at the Senate level and so there have been discussions on next steps and I know that there's been, of course, a lot of opposition to HoA supporting this bill. And we've taken those comments seriously. We've continued to have conferences with the franchisors as to what is their opposition and how can, we, how can we best address it? How can we continue to keep the dialogue open? And I will share with the audience, with the members, that even at this Ellis Conference, that has been a topic of conversation with several of the, the franchise or brands. And so we care deeply about our OHA members and of course our New Jersey members. I often say that I love our New Jersey members. They are passionate, you know, they're strong advocates, and they've been through a lot, you know. So many of our members, especially if they own only one or two hotels coming out of the pandemic. It was a tough period. Their doors were shut and suddenly they opened up and they did feel some of them did feel that maybe the franchisors weren't there supporting them as strongly as they would have liked. They were seeing new fees being imposed for a variety of things and essentially over the over the past years they've seen their ROI dwindling used to be maybe a double digit, now they're looking at maybe a single digit ROI, and they're putting their millions of dollars, their life savings into the hotels, and suddenly they're at a point where they say, you know, we need some changes. And from my personal perspective, it's been an interesting journey to the extent that I'm a lawyer, by profession and training, and I'm very accustomed to being an advocate um, for my clients. And so we approached the New Jersey that legislation that way, but never with the idea that it was for the sake of passing legislation. It was always for the idea that it would maybe raise awareness of what our members were challenged with and hopefully bring the parties to the table to discuss it and so i'm very pleased that now that we're at this stage we're starting to see more of the parties coming together to start discussing it because in the end regardless of what's going on we need relationships with the franchisors Um, we're a hoa and our members are very closely tied to the franchisors So we're trying to figure out what is the best path forward right now, you know, and looking to the franchisors too to share with us what they're willing to do. And we are very reasonable and open to discussing, you know, the concepts that they might have and how best can they listen to our members? What can be addressed? If there are concerns, how can we we best take this to them to determine the best path forward? Um, because as time has passed, um, some of our we're recognizing that not every Ahoa member is in support of continuing this because they value the relationship with the brands. and we do too. So it's really trying to figure out how can we accomplish a lot of what we're trying to do without legislation? And I think we're getting closer to that point. So, um, only time will tell in the upcoming weeks and months as, as we determine the next steps. So I know that was a very long answer, but um, again, it's kind of that balancing act mm-hmm. that, we are, that we are engaged in with, again, talking to the franchisors, making sure that they're hearing the voice of our members and raising this so that we can figure out how best to accomplish our goals.
0: That's interesting. I, I hadn't uh, expected that as a possible outcome. I kind of figured this would something that was going to you know, pass or fail in the, the legislature mm-hmm. there. But uh, yeah, if you're able to reach a, some kind of compromise, I could see how you could say then the bill's not necessary.
1: Correct. And I think that's what we're looking. Is that the best path forward? So I share this all because no firm decisions have yet been made, but mm-hmm. there are on, ongoing conversations on all sides and really reaching out to our members as well to talk to them on a personal basis as to what does this look like and do you want a hoa to continue to support this and that's where we're at you know we answer to our members that's we're an advocacy association to answer for our members and protect their interests and how best do you do that so that is always our goal in the end
0: and you know, speaking of uh, your membership you know Your membership is made up of owners and you guys recently launched uh, a new initiative, the hype ownership initiative, and that is geared toward helping out uh, a new generation of hotel owners. Uh, Can you talk about how this initiative came to be and and how it's supposed to work?
1: Yes. And this is one that we are just very excited about. Um, Last year in 2022 or excuse me, twenty twenty. Yes, we launched the Her Ownership Conference, and it was such an amazing success. And this was for the women hoteliers. And we initially anticipated that maybe we would have 50 women show up, and here we were closer to 300 in 2022. And so we repeated it in 2023, just a few months ago. And then we thought, well, maybe. The first year possibly was kind of a was kind of a wild success because with only five weeks out from the from the second one, I believe we only had seven women registered. And we got to the Her Ownership Conference, and here we had even more attendees than the prior years. So with that success uh, for the her ownership side, we decided it is time to really focus on the young professionals. So HYPE stands for Helping Young Professionals Evolve. Um, And so this year it's gonna be in New Orleans and we're excited because we're already starting to see the numbers coming in and we're um, very pleased that we'll have a chance to bring the young professionals together, provide educational content. Um, We have a fun reception in the evening. And of course, it's New Orleans. And so anytime you're in New Orleans, that is also um, quite a city with, of course, the Mardi Gras theme going on. So we think it should be a marvelous event. And for those who have not yet registered, we encourage them to do so um, because it will be a big splash. And we're looking forward to um, kind of welcoming everyone, especially the young professionals, to our first ever hype conference.
0: So uh, when you're looking to the next generation of owners, uh, what you know, where are they running into obstacles to seeing the success that they, that they want to have? What's, what's in their way and, and, and what are they trying to overcome?
1: Right. Very good question. And I think a lot of it, I'll give you just a personal perspective. I was with AHOA for nearly 10 years back in 2005 to 2014. And at the time, I was serving in the role of Vice President of Fair Franchising, Government Affairs, and Legal Counsel, General Counsel, and working with a lot of first-generation hoteliers that had come here from India. You know, they had opened their first hotels. They were raising their families in the hotels. And so now I come back as of May of last year, and, I'm now working with second and third generation. And the second and third generation, a lot of them grew up here in the United States. They, their families owned the hotels. They'd come home from school, and maybe instead of playing sports at school or other extracurricular activities, they would be making beds um, for the family. And so they then went to our finest universities, and now they're in the industry. And their focus is very different it's on expanding the portfolio and what does that look like and so it's a whole different focus as opposed to you know owning your first hotel or figuring out how to own and operate a hotel now it's more what does this look like as far as expanding a portfolio and taking what the family has already built and turning it into something that you can then pass to your children in the next generation so it's different Um, Of course, different skills, different knowledge, um, different analysis as to how to expand that portfolio. And so that's what we're hoping to provide, to provide kind of those resources, those networking opportunities, and also to listen to what they are sharing with us as well as we get into this.
0: Well, thank you so much for for joining us here today, and thank all of you for listening. Stick with Hotel News Now for further coverage from the Alice Conference. Hi, I'm Isaac Glazer, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitach, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the Coastal Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, a hospitality data podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry is going. And we like to have fun with the data too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on January 23, 2024 and edited by Brian Roten. Go to hotelnewsnow.com for the latest industry news every day.